Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. I, b- I believe this is one of the last, the last, is this the last week, Eric Holmes, of the year or, or not? Am I wrong on this? No? Do we have one more week I, before the end of the year? Yeah, I this is the last week. I believe it is. Bruce, this is the last week. What is it? December, as we're recording, it's December 29th. So this is the week ending. Bruce, am I correct? The week ending December 31st, 2021. Am I correct on this? You are correct. I bet you while people are listening to this, they're drinking and ringing in the new year because they want us oh. in their ears yeah. while they're reveling. Yes. That, Eric Hall, Eric that's, Hall, a, reveling? that's a good point. I'm sure by the time this is released or by the time most people are listening to it, it's not the last week of the year. It's the first week of the new year. So well, happy bu- new year, everyone. Our buddy and most importantly, yeah, fellow listener and most importantly, our buddy Joseph Bridges says he listens to our Find Your Film podcast when he washes his clothes and does random errands. What do you guys think? Is that the best way to listen to our Find Your Film podcast when you're doing other things, Bruce? Multitasking? Well, if he means he's opening a bottle of champagne and washing his clothes, yes, that's a great <laughs> thing to be doing while he's listening to this. I, 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 I believe Joseph Bridges does not drink alcohol. I believe he's a teetoler. Eric Holmes, is Joseph Bridges a teetoler or an alcoholic or a ca- uh-huh. casual drinker? What, where, where did your guess lie? Where, where, my guess is, is your guess? he enjoys a drink now and then. But okay. not a lot, or maybe he doesn't drink at all. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're wishy washy. You weren't so wishy washy last week, Eric Holmes, when you were defending me and Bruce. We had swords out and about for Don't Look Up. Didn't well, that's because that I was right about that. I don't know about Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know right that Joseph does eight balls regularly. Eight balls. Oh, okay, yeah, very well, good, very yeah good. that makes sense. Again, this is. Um, this, I mean, you know. There is a point to this reference. Joseph Bridges is one of the our, our buddy and also a member of our Cinematics Facebook group. When you listen to our Find Your Film podcast, it's not just a one and done thing, thankfully, because uh, our three brains are not, we don't, we, I don't know if our three brains can even fill a friggin' cup. I, can we, Eric Holmes? Is our, our brain power, how, is it like as big as a Dixie cup? What do you think? Oh, yeah. At, at least, least a 12-pack of them. At, at least a, oh, okay. At least a 12-pack of them. No, but the thing is with Cinematics Facebook group, if you are a member, a couple things, you're automatically entered to for a weekly Blu-ray DVD contest that I give away Blu-rays and DVDs to our members. Also, most importantly, there are fellow members who are podcasters as well. Well, I'm thinking of Peter Beta and his crew from Middle Class Film Class. There's Jack Fitzpatrick. He's a YouTube movie reviewer. He has his own channel. What is the name of his channel? Bruce Perky of Jack Fitzpatrick's. Do you remember? Uh, is it Don't Rain on This Parade? Um, don't wait, Crash, crash, this, crash this, parade. this Parade. That's Crash This Parade. I know yeah. it's Parade. I always forget what it's called. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of uh, – there's a really some really cool <laughs> things. You know, we're, we have over about 525 people right now as our members. Just join up for daily movie recommendations, giveaways, Listen to listen and get to know other fellow podcasters, even fellow writers. My buddy Ben Kenber, he is a freelance writer and he has his own website as well. So some really interesting, most importantly, along with the podcasters and the entertainment writers, bloggers, etc. The, the heart of the group members are they're all cinephiles. And a lot of these group members give away at the end of the month or parts of the month. They give away digital codes for free or just access to their movies anywhere accounts to watch various movies. Eric or Bruce, have you actually taken advantage of some of the, the movies anywhere codes or whatever the access and actually claim some of the codes do you remember no not you Eric. No. not yet no i've seen them but i i, I never click on them you never click mostly because i'm afraid if i did i wouldn't know what to do after i clicked <laughs> <laughs> what about you bruce have you done i it? did um was it wild rose last week Oh, oh yes, Wild Rose. Again, Bruce. Every single every single week, he reminds me that I'm gradually uh, go, going see now because I forget so many things. The good thing is I can just keep talking about the same movie every week, and you just keep enjoying it. So it <laughs> makes it easy for me. I don't have to watch anything. <laughs> okay, so this is our last week of the year. Eric and Bruce, do you have anything else to say regarding this whole year addendum or? 
just any thoughts before we launch into our main featured review of the week um it was a good year for me um as far as like you know there's you know around the world it wasn't great for everyone but i mean as far as like uh our own little bubble as far as uh, watching movies I don't think... No, I saw Justice League, so I did see at least one superhero movie this year. <laughs> I think the the year coming up, maybe we'll get down to zero, and I'll be even happier this year than I was last. <laughs> okay, so the MCU, the DCU is not part of Eric Holmes' immediate universe. That's not something he's very, very passionate about. Movies that he loves are... I'm trying to think of movies that Eric Holmes loves. He, moves, he loves indie films and horror films and suspense thrillers, all these different things. I'm thinking of a movie he loved called the gin and that's a movie what else got got your fancy this year right off the top of your head my heart can't beat unless you tell it to is that a, is that a movie is that the yes. Name of movie yes that the pita beta test that was a good one the pita beta test yes the beta test uh, the one beta shot beta. fucking one shot one shot starring one of your favorite actors scott adkins yeah. what about you bruce what was your what, what are some of your tops you've been launching into like what 31 for 21 uh movies you're now at number four or number three or on our facebook group what have you yeah been? i'm at number five and four i uh just did pig i just did a net and i will quote my number one movie at the end of this episode oh very very good awesome. a long quote a long quote but you'll long. like it it's it's very important advice it see, seeing as i'm a dad i'm a little older than both of you guys mm-hmm. even you greg i will give some fatherly advice per my favorite movie of the year at the end of this episode oh very very good i'm sure being a father is one of the best treasures in the world one of these days eric holmes you and i will be dads one of these days what do you think um no i, well, I, I, can't, I can't speak for you <laughs> that was a resounding no <laughs> Don't you want I, a little Eric Holmes? I, I hope other people raise their kids. I don't necessarily need to raise my own. Don't you want an unconditional love kind of uh, connection with someone? No, my own kids group? like swimming in my socks. That's a good spot for them. Uh, okay, very. That is very graphic. I don't even want to think. Oh, that just made me. I might hurl. There are some graphic <laughs> things we're going to be covering this this uh, this episode. We're gonna, Eric and I. We're going to be doing a movie rewind of this Numi Rapace film called The Trip. A really wonderful Norwegian film that Bruce Perky talked about several weeks ago we're going to get to that we're also going to have a special numi repas segment where each of us will mention one extra numi repas film that we love that you guys should definitely see on streaming or physical media etc etc our main feature this week though is just straight and simple it hits theaters this friday it's a pre-world war ii film called munich the edge of war it's august 1938 and it centers on a british silver ser- silver servant played by george mckay george mckay from the movie 1917 and he no is- no 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 correction correction wolf Oh, Wolf. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're, not, you're not trying to make me bad. Wolf is a movie that George McKay was in that Bruce and I were not a huge fan of. And Eric Holmes was not able to work, get that screening link to work. Thank goodness he was not able to get that screening link to work. because. Wolf well, I mean, if it's anything like Don't Look Up, maybe I'll love it. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> also, I just wanted to add, regarding our Facebook group and all the discussions regarding Don't Look Up, you can actually check, up, check out our review of Don't Look Up on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. There's been a lot of, out of all the films we've covered, I don't know if you guys agree with me or not there's been a huge level of disagreement on this movie some yeah. people think it's absolutely idiotic and moronic like me and bruce and some people give it i call it five star bangers like eric holmes and here's the thing that's interesting i don't think there's a right and wrong with movie reviews i just love when there's so many people on one side or the other eric holmes what do you how do you feel about this whole maelstrom of just reactions that we've been getting I, I i i was going to be glib and say there is a right answer and <laughs> my answer is the correct one but no the, the it was weird because like when I, I love this movie so much and then when both of you guys hated it, I was like, what? Am I fucking nuts? And I saw a bunch of other people and they hated it too. And then you start getting the, the other reviews where like a bunch of people love the same as me. So it's kind of.
kind of, I don't know, in a way it's kind of exciting just seeing yeah. yes. wildly different takes on, on the same thing. It's like we all saw the same thing, right? Because yeah. you hear different people talk about it. It seems like they saw completely different movies. It's got to be doing something right if it's got that much opinion around it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, hey, at least it's not getting a bland response. The, the weird thing is, though, because usually something like this is, I like the movie because it did this, this, then this, and it was right. And then the other side's like, no, they were wrong about this. And that's why. It, but that doesn't seem to be the disagreement. It's this movie's brilliant because it does this, this, and this. And then you got the other people like you guys were, it's like, now nah, it was just boring. Well, that's not necessarily <laughs> two sides of the same coin. Those are two separate coins entirely. Yes. Strong reactions on both sides. Bruce, don't you think sometimes is better when people disagree over movies just on a wild uh, and you have just yeah. a spectrum of discussion right as opposed to something that's so boring to talk about and it just fades away yes absolutely when you have that just bland middle of the road movie which kind of was my problem with it but to me but <laughs> but the opinions were not bland and i think yes. that makes it more fun i actually have had more fun watching the conversations and engaging somewhat in the conversations because of it so i mean i guess that's a value add even if i didn't love the movie it's value added just because of that so yeah kind of makes you want to go and watch it again see where you went wrong. no no <laughs> that is so by the way if you listen to our last week's episode bruce perky had a very interesting visual or visual sequence on how people should actually would will be forced to watch don't look up and i that visual sequence still gives me nightmares what does okay so anyways let's get back to this the edge munich the edge of war yes it's august 1938 a british silver silver servant played by george mckay and he he's trying to meet a german diplomat in munich because this german diplomat has a very interesting piece of paper regarding hitler's eventual plan to take over pretty much most of europe or all of europe and this piece of paper that this german diplomat has may may lead to uh you know dire circumstances for everybody and he wants to get this note to the british civil servant that is the premise of this movie munich the edge of war can this note stop not not stop or, or will the war start because of this note or do you think this the reason why a lot of these people are meeting in munich neville chamberlain played by jeremy irons he's trying to reach some kind of peace accord with hitler in munich we all know what happens world war ii happens but so how does how do you make this movie interesting when the inevitable happened the note probably didn't make much of a real uh, repercussion you know how do you make this movie dramatic bruce how do you make munich the edge of war an interesting movie was it a lot simpler than one one would think or is there a lot more layers to this film it wasn't a lot more layers i don't think <laughs> I, I i think it was about like you described it i kept thinking of this other movie we saw earlier in the year was it the courier i think it was called yes, maybe courier. Ben, yes yes it was better yes Cumberbatch, yes and to me and that had its issues as well and i don't think this is a horrible movie the good thing about that movie is i didn't know the story so I really didn't know what was going to happen in that movie. I didn't know about the characters pretty much at all. And this movie, you're right in the way you presented it, is just a problem is kind of in how do you create the tension. Now, they do a pretty good job in here creating tensions within moments, like they're hiding things and trying to not let people know about things. And the Nazis might find out about things. But the overall tension is kind of, well, we know the war is going to happen. So it's just kind of a how does it happen, I guess, or how doesn't it happen at this point? Or what is going to happen in this particular moment in time? I thought it was okay. I thought the acting was okay. It was 
we kind of talked about earlier, bland is kind of the worst thing. And this is kind of bland for a spy movie. It's not terrible. It's not great. I did have one major gripe, though, throughout this movie, is that they're in Munich for a good chunk of it with Nazis all around. And they're trying to do things that the Nazis aren't supposed to find out about. But yet they act very, very, very suspicious a lot in this movie. And there's moments where the main character is like looking over his shoulder and running around the streets. And I'm just like, if one Nazi is looking in his direction, they're gonna be like, what's that guy up to? He's German. Oh, wait. Or he's English and he's hanging out with a German guy. Wait, what's happening? I constantly felt like, why are they not getting found out in what they're doing? So I would, to me, it's middle of the road. It's not terrible. It's not great. If you like spy stuff, you'll probably like it okay. I might have liked this a little bit more than you, Munich, The Edge of War. The one good thing about this is regarding, we're going to talk about value added when we talk about the movie The Trip. But yeah. this is this was value added for me in the sense that Jeremy Irons is Neville Chamberlain. He, the Prime Minister of Britain, really gone down in history as this guy who's basically Mr. P. And I think this movie really portrayed him in a very flattering light regarding Neville Chamberlain wanted to have this level of appeasement, this peace with Germany, not just because he was a coward. He was trying to ultimately maybe use that peace accord as maybe a, a year or two standstill to actually prepare for the inevitable war, which was gonna, which was probably on the horizon. So I liked the way Neville Chamberlain was portrayed. I had no idea about these peace accords in, in Munich back in 1938. On a histor- historical level, I learned a little bit about Munich, the edge of war. So, But I do agree with you on a lot of points. I would give this movie three and a half stars. Bruce, would you give this movie maybe three stars? Probably two and a half. Two like, and a half stars. Right in the middle. Like if you like history, you might kind of be interested in it. But if you're not into history or you want something thrilling, it's probably not enough to really get you going so cool two and a half for you three and a half for me eric where do you land on munich the edge of war there was some stuff i liked about it and a lot i did not well first of all um, i think i mentioned it this to you guys in the messenger the uh, wife character needs to go and the wife character in this is the same as the wife character in many movies that character the uh honey something really bad's happening you need to not do that it's like not, no <laughs> it's like war <laughs> it's almost like a character that just brings nothing but artificial tension to a movie that really doesn't need it you know like bruce said we know how this turns out for the most part we know that world war ii happens we know what becomes of hitler and the nazis and so on and so forth might not know what happens to the main character which i think adds some tension maybe he gets found out and killed i don't know but what i don't need is the uh wife character who is only there to complain to the main character in add artificial tension just if you're writing a script and you have that character take them out or leave the wife character and make her a more interesting character give her something else to do other than be the person that goes in and complains for no reason bruce and greg you too i i trust both of you if uh you said eric you need to leave colorado springs grab your family leave colorado springs probably gonna trust you i'm not gonna say all you guys do is ignore me the rest of the week Especially if we work for the government, right? Like, we are close in with them. You should know that we know what we're talking about. There, there (laughs) is, I, I get. I get her wanting to be, get her being worried and uh, maybe, you know, maybe even angry, like how, you know, oh, you brought us into this. But at the same time, it's like, that's your husband. He's telling you to leave. He's telling you to leave right now. And he's in a position where he might know a thing or two about a thing or two. And he says, you got to leave right now. I can't tell you why. Just deal with it and ask about it later. But so, so there's that. As far as the rest of the movie, there's bits of it reminding me a lot of uh, Valkyrie. I think Valkyrie's a lot better than this. There was some stuff that was really good. There was some good tension here and there. But yeah, the, that's that's kind of the problem because I've seen Valkyrie and 
It's. Uh... I got a question for both of you, actually. Did either of you, I had this feeling throughout the whole movie that we were kind of focused on the wrong guy. I found the most interesting story to be his friend who's a German who starts out as a true believer. And by the time we see him in the, the spy portion of this movie, he is turned against Hitler. And I thought that that story yeah, I, I wanted to see that story. I think that was the most interesting story because the spy stuff isn't super duper interesting. Do either yeah. you feel the same way? I mean, a little like bit. I, I also like Jeremy Irons' character. Like, I yeah, like he was the, good. I, I like the idea of that where this movie takes place. Hitler's not Hitler yet. The Nazis aren't Nazis yet. Like Hitler's there. Nazis are there, but they're not what we know of them today. You know, they they haven't gotten there yet. They're on their way, but you know they had, and so. Jeremy Irons' character doesn't know what's coming yet. His position is, I don't want to go to war. We've been to war. War sucks. Let's find a different way. And then, unfortunately, the person he's trying to uh, make peaceful accords with is Hitler and the Nazis. Live and learn, I guess. On one hand, you know, that's commendable because war does suck. And we're just in general that we could probably... Uh, stand to uh, maybe think of different different avenues to take other than just uh, you disagree I'm gonna bomb you you know but at the same time I kind of wish they would have I, I wish they would have uh, kind of played with that Jeremy Irons type character in a different in a different movie because when you're having that when you're having that character do that against Hitler the lesson isn't try to try to find other ways beside you know try to find more diplomatic ways other than war when the person you're going after is Hitler right that that <laughs> message doesn't land at all like right. not even close. <laughs> But it, but it is an important message, and I, th- I think it's uh, something we're saying. It's just in this movie, it, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, and again, I, I've said it before, Valkyrie exists, so watch that instead. All right, what is your stars? Throw, throw down the stars for this. I'd probably go, this would probably be like a one star, but for what they try and what certain things they try and certain things they do get right, it's probably two stars, I guess. Okay, so two stars for Eric Holmes, two and a half stars for Bruce Perky, and three and a half stars for Munich, The Edge of War. So no recommendations from Eric or Bruce, I do recommend Munich, The Edge of War, though. As a solid recommend, it's especially the way that it paints Neville Chamberlain in a different light, just on a historical level, just to see how much work he did behind the scenes to get that peace accord right in 1938. And yeah, like Bruce said, the performances were solid. But is it completely memorable and will I watch it again? No, it's a solid first watch. Enough for me. So again, December 31st in select theaters on Netflix, January 21st, 2022. So that's Munich, The Edge of War. Next up, we're going to do our rewind of Numi Rapace, of her films. We're going to do a movie rewind of Trip. Trip, we've talked about the plot. It's a very quick plot. It's a director and an actress. They're both married. The actress is played by Numi Rapace. And they're, they decide to go to their the cabin. The cabin right by right in the middle of the nature. And they're bickering and they're arguing. They're on the outs. But you never would think that both of them actually use the trip, the trip, to the cabin to kill each other. So they both conspire to kill each other. That's the premise of the trip. The thing is, that that's, it's not a spoiler alert. They both fail in their attempts, their initial attempt to try to kill each other. And they realize, well, even though they both want to kill each other, they have a lot. There's other fish to fry because there are other human beings who enter their cabin and their existence within the span of this narrative. And I don't want to give away too much, but ultimately what happens is just a bunch of people screw up that formula for them to kill each other. And ultimately, the movie ends up being a a story about survival. Do they decide to actually team up and try to get out of this mess before the other people, the other humans in the cabin, maybe 
try to kill them as well. So the trip, Bruce, just a, a, a big recap on your end. On your letterbox, I forgot, did you... Do you remember what your rating for the trip was? Because I remember you recommend this movie. Yeah, I, I think I was three and a half or four. I'd have to go check. I, I, I really enjoyed the energy and the kind of how it just goes all out in the, by the end with the gore and the kind of craziness of it. I quite ended up enjoying it quite a bit. I especially enjoyed the entrance of a particular character towards the end of the movie, which I'm not going to talk about. Foul-mouthed and a, a person you didn't think was going to come into the play at the very end. And I loved that person coming into play. And that um, person had, had his own moment and that was really wonderful it's just like a whole different story. I mean, even though that, that story is maybe five to ten minutes, it's wonderful, wonderful addition to the trip. Eric Holmes, what did you think of the trip of Numi Rapaz and, and the other guy? i got to find his name. He's very good, too. Uh, Bill Burr. Bill Burr <laughs> yeah. The guy does look a little bit like Bill Burr. Right? A little bit. <laughs> Swedish Bill Burr, whatever he is called. I don't know what he is. Yeah, so what did you think? What's your thoughts on the trip? I like this one a lot. This had kind of, uh, kind of similar energy to like Cheap Drills or Big Bad Wolves. It, it it was kind of kind of uh, kind of looks like a comedy, and it is, but it's like really fucked up too. And uh, I, I do like the uh, uh, Numi Rapace and uh, Swedish Billbers. I, I like their dynamic. They basically went in hating each other, and you know had to work together. Not the most original of scenarios, but it really works. It works really well in this. Pretty much all the characters that pop up in this. This is one of those type of movies where the the filmmakers know how to make really fun characters. And the, you know, this movie would work without great characters. You know, you could put just random stock characters in it and it would still work because the premise is so strong. But I think having a strong premise and having great characters on top of that kind of, you know, bump it up a notch. And this is a really fun movie. And I also think probably the less known going in the better. You get the main just the main you know log line a couple goes to a cabin each trying to kill each other and not knowing and then and then what happens after that then it gets weird <laughs> yeah. then it gets weird right uh but yeah th- this movie's really uh really fun really funny really uh emotional at times and really fucked up at times yeah really and fucked uh up. yeah th- this is just all around all around good movie uh it gets very gory there's a lawnmower scene so you know <laughs> watch out for that but uh the Chekhov's lawnmower shows up. <laughs> there's a lot of Chekhov's things Chekhov's steak Chekhov's lawnmower Chekhov's this is good stuff probably be a four and a half five star so I don't, is it- you know what five star i can't i can't imagine because it, if it's not a five star it means i gotta take something away but i can't think of what was wrong with this there was nothing wrong with it it's yeah five star movie five stars from eric holmes for the trip i really loved the trip i was surprised at how actually very deep the movie was first act is more of like a relationship drama sort of like the war of the roses them they're arguing over how to score points in scrabble whether you know i think numi rapaz's character numi rapaz's character she actually tries to put up a word and it's in swedish and her husband, played by Axel Henny, he refuses those points because it's not, it's in Swedish. And then, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, really interesting argument and it leads. So you're thinking it's going to be a relationship drama. And of course, yes, they do want to kill each other. You think it's going to be that little chamber piece, but then it evolves into something like a, what, a Tarantino kind of situation with the people who actually, the people who actually enter the cabin are very, very interesting. Like Eric was saying, some really good dialogue, actually great characterizations. And I thought it was really wonderfully shot from director Tommy Wercola. And he also co-wrote this. We're going to talk about one of his other films in a second that he previously 
shot with Numi Rapaz called What Happened to Monday. But yeah, I absolutely love the trip because it's relationship comedy, relationship comedy drama, black comedy. Then it becomes a horror film, a thriller. And some, some parts are shot like Hitchcock and it's a very really packed, tense gets really tense and gory so you have so many different ways to entertain yourself with the trip and by the way towards the end it becomes sort of a because of their occupation of being a director and act, actress it's sort of a showbiz satire as well yeah uh, okay, that's true satire on the media so very interesting eric yes oh no i was, I was just gonna say that ending was really good yeah very good yeah. very very and good that's ending. exactly how it happened <laughs> yeah exactly and that's exactly how it happened eric holmes you give it five stars it's a five star banger bruce i'm thinking you're leading towards a it i think it was stars four stars i put on there also i wanted to say i i, th- I don't know about you guys agree but i think this is a really rewatchable movie too yeah, yeah yeah you can you can definitely rewatch it we're gonna get to rewatches in a second and i give this movie four and a half stars high recommendation all around for the trip also what's really good about it is it streaming on netflix so if you haven't seen and by the way my mom she's 81 she loves the trip and she said yeah it gets a little bit gory uh, no, <laughs> i was gonna no, say no. it's a little bit <laughs> let, let me say it uh, listeners it does it gets a little bit gory and it gets ve- very sick it's yeah. very very sick okay so it goes places <laughs> it goes to the darkest dark you know the darkest places in your mind that place is like a sunny day in miami compared to some of the dark places that this movie goes to oh so many you know, oh, you know when someone yeah. says I'm going to rip you a new asshole. That happens in this movie. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> Pretty much. In so many words, it does happen in this movie, that kind of yeah inference. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so many really cool things about this movie. <laughs> Actually, Bruce, to your point about the rewatchability factor, I feel that this movie, once you really know the lay of the land, it gets even better upon a second watch. I don't know if you guys agree regarding the trip. Oh, I mean, how can it get we, – we all give it such high recommendations. Four stars from Bruce, five-star banger from Eric, and four and a half from me. Again, streaming on Netflix. What else? Also streaming on Netflix is a movie directed, again, by the trip filmmaker Tommy Wakola. And he previously shot this movie called What Happened to Monday with Numi Rapaz. I recommended this several weeks ago. I haven't gone back to rewatch this, but Eric and Bruce were able to see this several weeks ago. How did you guys, how did this movie stack up as well? Where basically, I think it's, it's set in the future. She, I, I'm trying to remember, Numi Rapaz plays her sisters, different genetic, genetic, genetically engineered sisters or something like that. And it's uh, it's dystopian future and a lot of action in this movie. Did both of you end up, would both of you highly recommend this movie as well? What happened to Monday? So like if they see, if they see the trip, should, would you recommend them see what happened to Monday as well. Yeah, th- these are wildly different movies, though. First of all, the title for What Happened to Monday is a really bad title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it sounds like a really boring indie drama, and it's like, oh, God, I guess I'll watch it. And I put it in and go, all right, this is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a, a sci-fi, near-future-ish sci-fi movie. Dystopia, I suppose you might call it. It's weird because it said dystopia technically, but it, it doesn't have a lot of the hallmarks that a dystopia movie has. Kind of like how a minority report, I guess, would be a dystopia, but it doesn't look like Mad Max, so you don't think of it like that. Numi Rapace is really good in this. All six of her characters, or seven, or, uh, yeah, seven. Um, <laughs> Seven days in a week, yep. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I I like the setup of it. Uh, I think where this kind of falls apart a little bit is kind of towards the end where it becomes a a sci-fi action movie. And it's not bad, but I just thought the setup was a lot more thoughtful and I I was into the story a lot more. And then as it kind of goes on towards the end, it lost me a little bit. And then the end kind of brought me back a little more. Uh, But I was, so I was watching this and my niece, she had some friends over and uh, she comes in my room and what are you watching? Like, uh, what happened to Monday? Like, 
what's that? And I'm like, well, you can watch a little bit of it if you want. So her and her friends came in and they were like on the edge of their seat the entire time. There was a, there was a part where, uh, I, I won't say what happened, but they were, ex- they, they screamed Thursday with joy at a certain point. Like it's mm. Thursday. And so they, I, I can tell you as far as the, you know, 12, 12, 13 year old girls go, this was a hit, a huge hit. Yeah. Th- this is a fun movie and I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, uh, also very underrated because she's playing subtoplets, right? So there's basically, well, I, I don't know. There's, I don't want to give too much away, but she's playing basically different characters. So yeah. that's a challenge. Yeah. So, so all, the all the characters that they're not supposed to have not supposed to have brothers or sisters let alone twins let alone septuplets there's only supposed to be like you know there's a minimum amount of children that you can have but since they're all identical Willem Dafoe is their dad and they let them out one at a time but they're all supposed to they're all air quote the same person and then there's that, that one girl she like breaks her her finger gets cut off well if it happens to one of you it has to happen to all of you so he's got to go cut all her sister's fingers off so they all look the same and and, and that was a really good scene too because like you just saw the pain in his eyes like i don't want to do this but if i don't they're gonna kill you and they're gonna kill all your sisters and probably kill me too so sorry honey put your finger (laughs) and that and that's kind of the world we're in right here but yeah, this is really good stuff. Yeah, I really love this movie. Bruce, are you in concurrence with Eric and how much you enjoy this movie? Or was this a come down from the trip? After, I know two different movies, but... No, I really liked it quite a bit too. Once again, I just echo a lot of the stuff that Eric said. I really enjoyed, first of all, her... She hams it up to some degree, but it, it's, it works in this movie because you got like, okay, I got to play seven characters. I got to give them all like quirks and personalities and all that stuff. And, and you could tell she was having a ton of fun with it. And then the finger scene that Eric mentioned, is kind of the key moment where I kind of turned on this movie because at first I was like, okay, I kind of see what the setup is. Here's the rules of this world. I kind of feel like I see where it's going. But then once that happened, I was like, okay, well, this movie is going to have actual stakes, which I could see a movie like this being, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'm going to say it could be a movie where it's like all seven sisters have to solve the problem and figure out how to solve the problem. But it doesn't quite work that way. It kind of works that way, but it doesn't quite work that way. And I, and I appreciated when this movie starts turning, it's tougher than you expect it to be. Not to the degree of the trip, but you can see pieces of it in there. You can see that this director is willing to take it to take these kind of movies a little farther than you might in some of these movies, especially like you see in Netflix sometimes you, you kind of get that feeling like, oh, they're not going to take it very far. But this movie has real stakes and I think that makes it better. And it, overall, I, I really enjoyed this movie and I think it's underappreciated and probably just lost in the shuffle. You know, that big giant Netflix glut of movies out there and you go buy this, like Eric said again, what happened to Monday? Well, I, I don't know. What is that? You know, <laughs> is this like a rom-com? <laughs> you know, it doesn't tell you anything. And even even seeing a blurb about it probably wouldn't tell you enough to, to draw you in to really understand that this is a, a really fun uh, movie of this sort. So I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think I'd give it like four stars. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like a four, four and a half star film. Same with you, Eric, around that range. Yeah, four star. I, I was saying like, uh, yeah, about four stars. I can speak for at least three teenage girls. <laughs> That uh, Numi Rapace is their favorite actor. <laughs> She's awesome. <laughs> I, I think the great thing about her, though, is that I think if all her characters were just the same, and I, I could tell, usually tell which character she was being. Like, there's larger differences with certain ones, but other other ones, there's like subtle differences, but they're they're all their own character. And I didn't see it as seven Numi Rapaces. I saw it as like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, so on and so forth. And yeah, she's yeah. really freaking good in this. I don't know if this can actually pick up on the mic, but I'm going to play this video. Hold on. How do you pronounce your full name? Numi Rapace. 
Rapaz. So Numi Rapaz. Numi Rapaz. Numi. I, I've been calling her Numi Rapaz all these years. Her name yeah. is Numi Rapaz. Oh yeah, we mentioned that before. It was a was it a made up name or at least a name that her and her husband adopted? They got sure. married. They both had separate names, but when they got married, they decided to adopt the name Rapaz. I don't know if they made up the name or if it's if it's just a, a common name that they adopted. But I, I thought that was really cool. Okay, so that is, yeah, very, very cool. So that is what happened to Monday and also the trip, both Numi Rapaz films that you can definitely check out on Netflix. Highly rec- High recommendations from all three of us. Now, let's do like a little bit of a roundabout, very quick recommendations for other Numi Rapaz films to watch. Let's start with you, Bruce. What's that? What's that one extra Numi film that you're recommending? I, I almost went with Prometheus because I actually like that movie and a lot of people hate that movie. But I think I'm going to go with The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The original version. I'd say go with that because people, a lot of people probably haven't seen the original version. They've only seen the Fincher version. So uh, check that out. Okay. Fun thing about the the original version is when I first saw it, I was like, wow, this looks like a David Fincher movie. (laughs) Right. And then then when I heard they were doing a remake and they're like, why are they remaking it? Oh, David Fincher's doing it? I mean, okay. It probably probably looked a lot like the original. What is your your Numi recommendation, Eric? Oh, shoot. Well, I I had two of them. You know what? I'll I'll just go with Prometheus because I, too, love Prometheus. In fact, Prometheus made me like the original Alien even better so yeah. uh, okay. get on you the the, the well I'll, I'll, I'll see what you what you pick in and I'll, I'll i'll give you my uh also ran all right so yeah that's i love prometheus i saw in the theaters as well that was not my pick even though ridley scott is one of my all-time favorite filmmakers my pick is a movie that is actually if it wasn't for numi rapace's performance in it the movie would suffer a little bit because it feels like a lifetime tv movie okay now let me give you the plot synopsis for this film called angel of mine quote a woman grieving over the death of her daughter loses grip of reality when she begins to think her girl may still be alive. So Numi Rapaz plays a mother. She lost her daughter in a fire. And years later, she believes this this girl that she sees, I, I think from a neighbor or a passerby, or yes, the other the other mother is played by Yvonne Strahovski. She mm-hmm. believes y- Yvonne Strahovski's kid, who's probably now eight or nine years old, is actually her daughter, <laughs> Numi Rapaz's daughter. So the whole movie you're thinking Numi Rapaz might be going slowly insane. That is a premise behind this thriller called Angel of Mine. And you're thinking it might be something about how Numi Rapaz's character starts to terrorize the family of Claire, Claire being played by Yvonne Strahovski. So that is Angel of Mine, but what's great about that is Numi is fantastic in this movie, and it's currently streaming. You could actually rent it everywhere, but it's currently streaming on Hulu. If you're a Numi Rapaz fan, fan and you still have you haven't seen this movie, it's a different vibe for her. It's not too much action. It's more of a mystery thriller family drama kind of thing and it's it's really buoyed by her performance angel of mine what were you, what was that other also and that you would have picked eric holmes well i was gonna uh it, it, if bruce had said prometheus i would have just pivoted and said the drop but mm. since i got uh, both prometheus and the and the drop i went with prometheus only because the drop she's good in it and the, that movie's really good but I, I that feels more like a tom hardy movie than a numi rapace yeah. movie and yeah. new like prometheus is that that's totally her movie. They never see you coming, do they, Eric? No. Nope. 
<laughs> that is, by the way, that is a, a line from the drop. They don't, but they don't mention Eric. They mention another person's name. I love the drop. That's again another good recommendation. Speaking of recommendations, let's get to Bruce and Eric's recommendations. Bruce, what is your recommendations for this week? I kind of went into um, old school movies, so this should be fun and different for people who haven't seen these movies, which I'm guessing is a fair amount of people. The first one I have is called The Mill of Stone Women. Um, you can see this on AMC Plus. You can see it on Shutter, Arrow. If you have Arrow streaming, um, I believe Arrow just released a really deluxe version of this on uh, Blu-ray as well. The Mill of Stone Women. Now, what is this movie? It's 1960, directed by Giorgio Ferroni. Ferroni, yes. So I think he's Italian filmmaker, but this takes place in Holland. The best way to describe this to me is, or for you guys, is it's somewhere between Hammer and Early Bava. It's kind of right in that sweet spot where you're kind of changing over from these kind of really um, kind of garish period pieces for horror and switching over to this more giallo kind of style of horror. The idea of this is it takes place in Holland and this young guy is going off to work for a few weeks for this older gentleman who works in this mill. And this gentleman is a sculptor, famous sculptor, and it has elements of House of Wax. He he goes into this guy's mill and he's got all of these um, figures he's created and they have almost like on a... Um, a track. You know how you have a track where you like, go on a ride for like Disneyland? Well, instead of that ride, he has all these figures from history that kind of roll past you when he's when he flips the switch. And, you know, you have you know Joan of Arc and you have like all these different characters, right? I'm not going to go into this, but there's elements of mad scientists. There's there's this whole surrealistic dream sequence in the middle. The old guy who runs the mill has a mysterious daughter who is great, played by Skilla Gabel as Elfie, the young mysterious daughter who really wants to talk to the young guy you're not sure why uh but the old guy is like don't talk to my daughter don't ever talk to my daughter uh, so <laughs> it's it's just got all those elements that you like in those old um hammer movies uh it's you know moody colorful crazy lighting campy it's, or not it's not intended to be campy it's intended to be you know. it's intended to be serious it does have some campy elements but it's an unusual version of movies from that era because it's not a straight ahead it's not a straight ahead like vampire kind of movie it's not vampires or anything like that it's not a straight giallo killer movie it's kind of somewhere in the middle because like i said there's elements of mad scientist there's elements of house of wax if you kind of understand those kind of movies then you kind of get a feel for it uh kind of very gothic i love the look and the feel of this movie it's a lot of fun if you like that style of movie i think it's something you might have missed that you'd enjoy and when i watched it i reached out to um (laughs) our friend from lose the flower of evil i always have trouble with his full name juan diego escobar azate yeah it's very good thank you and i said have you ever seen this he goes oh yes i love this they have a brand new blu-ray version of it are you gonna send it to me for christmas i said i wish I don't have that much money. So he's he was well aware of this movie. So that one I would say definitely check out if you like that kind of stuff. Now, so again, Mill of, so again sorry, Bruce. Mill of the Stone right. Women, like Bruce said, AMC Plus, it's available on Shudder. And like Bruce said, it's available most likely on Blu-ray on Arrow. And I, I believe Arrow has its own streaming service as well, which which is, I think, it's an Arrow Plus streaming service. But again, it's Mill of the Stone Women. Very interesting pick from Bruce. Yes, go ahead. And I would say that's a four star for me. Four star. Four star. I would four say star. it's not for everybody, but if that's your flavor and you like that Arrow, 
era of movie, you would probably enjoy it. The other one I did is one I've been meaning to see forever. It's really hard to find. It's only showing on Flix Fling, but you can also find it on YouTube. So I don't know how official that is. This is a great title for a movie. Love it. Yes. Four Flies on Grey Velvet. This is one of the very early Dario Argentos. This is one of his three animal giallos. So of course he had Cat of Nine Tails, which I haven't seen, which I'm adding to the box. Of course, I have seen a bird with the crystal plumage, but Four Flies and Grey Velvet has been on my list for like 40 years. I've always seen the picture, uh, a lot of different posters for it. One of them was always this eyeball with some flies on the eye. And I always thought, okay, I want to see this. So I finally got around to seeing it. Dario Argento. We don't have to say much about him. We all know who he is at this point. Um, <laughs> this is, <laughs> it. Has, I'll just give you the, the start is over the close opening credits is this really groovy 1970s band playing the whole time. You're watching their practice. The drummer is our main character. You're watching him walk through the streets of Italy as well. And he's being followed by some mysterious man in a suit. You don't know why. And he eventually follows. He eventually turns on the other man. The man goes into this abandoned theater. The young guy confronts him. And while the young guy is confronting him, the man pulls a knife. They struggle. And the, the young man the drummer, who is our protagonist, accidentally stabs the older guy to death. The whole while, up in the balcony, there is a strange person with a mask on taking photos of the scene. And for the rest of the movie, he is being blackmailed and people are being murdered mysteriously by this unknown person who witnessed his, quote, murder. Um, Like many Dario Argento movies, this makes no sense. <laughs> like like many Dario Argento movies, the plot is a convoluted, weird mess. So you kind of have to just go with that. And giallos in general kind of have that element to them as well. This has lots of strange, colorful characters, uh, some problematic characters. It's 1971. So the representation of a gay person is probably not up to modern standards so either let that go or don't as you see fit but what it does have is you are seeing like birds of the crystal plumage like i'm sure cat and nine tails you're seeing the beginnings of what argento is going to be so you'll have you know maybe 20 minutes that doesn't quite work but then you'll have another 15 or 20 minutes where you're seeing argento just doing his crazy stylish set pieces that are tons of fun if you like that stuff you will see he's playing around with camera movements and camera placements and he's just doing some crazy things with uh, motion in this movie and slow motion in this movie in fact um i won't say what it is but there's a final shot in this movie that is one of the first super duper ultra slow-mo versions of what has happened in this movie or in movies in the future he's definitely pushing the boundaries visually of what can be done in some of the shots in here so for i would say for giallo fans and for argento fans if you haven't gone back and seen this early work by him you will enjoy it i wouldn't say it's going to be his best work for you i mean for me it's probably three and a half stars but some of the sequences are five stars you know what i mean you'll see some sequences and i thought of you the whole time i was watching this as i always do greg is i always think of um de palma and i saw some stuff in here and i'm like oh my god it's so de palma-esque or de palma is so argento-esque because they're working at the same time they're both doing this stuff at the same time and you can see that whatever influences were working on them cinematically they were definitely in the same like head space of weirdness and a visual like interestingness you know what i mean Roger Ebert, in his 1972 review of Four Flies on Grey Velvet, gave it two and a half stars. He was complaining about it a little bit. He said, there is, however, the interesting Mimsy Farmer who has the best mouth since Joey Heatherton. There is a rather broad but gentle caricature of a homosexual private detective played by Jean-Pierre Mariel. There are a few scary moments in the dark. 
But then there's that image on the retina gimmick, which we can't believe, and a conclusion that's so arbitrary. <laughs> yes. trick. Also, there's only one fly in this movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of not wrong, but he is wrong that there, there are definitely some really awesome sequences visually in this. And it's got that whole like retro 70s vibe, like the scenes. Oh, I was going to mention also, this is early special effects work by Carlo Rimbaldi, which we've mentioned before. Carlo Rimbaldi, if you don't remember, he created E.T. And then within a year, he also created something that's in Possession, which you haven't seen yet. So Right, Possession, which Bruce has been, he's, yeah, he's been all about it for the last year, year plus on Possession. By the way, Bruce, you, you did order that. You have that DVD, right? You have that DVD? I do Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Blu-ray. And how much did it cost you? How much did it run you again? It, I think it ended up costing me about twenty-seven, but I, that one goes for a ton now, and I think they're about to re-release it on a four K probably because it just went to the theaters this fall, so it's it's getting out there. You'll probably see it come across the stores here in the next couple months. Very very cool. Good recommendations from Bruce again. Four flies on gray velvet, three and a half stars, and four stars for Mill of the Stone Women. Those are his recommendations for this week. Now we are off to Eric Holmes. Give us your two of the week. All right. I guess we'll start with the uh, uh, Naked City, the uh, 1948 Jules Dassin joint. And I know we talked about this last time, uh, scene or scene. Jules Dassin, or you, you pronounce it two ways. In America, it, stateside, it's Jules Dassin. If you want to be, if you want to sip your cappuccino, if you want to actually have a nice, wonderful aperitif before the, the full course and you're in Europe, you're going to call him Jules Dassin. I think it's Jules Rapace. Well, anyway, it, at the beginning of this movie, the the narrator breaks a fourth wall and says, "You're watching a movie uh, d- directed by Jules Dassin." I'm like, oh, "I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm just going to go back and say it the way I have been." Voiceover narration by Ethan Hawke in a name. No, no. I'd have to look it up, but uh, yeah, the the narrator, like the very opening thing, is like. Uh, written by Albert Maltz and uh, uh, Melvin Wald and directed by Jules Dassin. I'm like, well, there we go. Um, this movie's a, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? Procedural. Yeah, uh, procedural. This doesn't have the, see, after watching Tokapi, Rafifi, and uh, Brute Force, I, I'm waiting for that, you know, th- those movies build up for the very final thing. And the final, you know, whether it's uh, Breaking Out of Prison or uh, heist. And so watching the heist play out or watching the prison break play out, it's really satisfying. And so this one's a procedural. This one's kind of more, this one's more like Zodiac. So it doesn't have the same kind of satisfying kind of ending that the other ones do. But this one's still good. If, if you like uh, procedurals, this one's, this one's up there. But also they've done procedurals really well since then. So I, I this probably wouldn't be a top 10 procedural. But that's only because they've done, you know, they've went and kind of taken what uh, Jules Dassin did with Naked City and ran with it since then. Whereas I don't think people have done the same thing with like uh, Rafifi and Tupkapi, for example. And certainly with as far as a prison break movie with uh, Brute Force, I'm trying to think of other prison break movies. Shawshank Redemption and... Maybe that's it. <laughs> I don't know. So I haven't, naked seen, sit- I haven't seen Birdman of Alcatraz. I've not seen that. I don't think the Great Escape is probably not a prison. That's prison camp. Something yeah. I think of Bruce. Do you know any? I haven't seen Brubaker. Have you seen Brubaker? I have no. seen Brubaker. That's not a jail escape movie, is it? Just it's movie? more like prison camp prison kind of stuff yeah it's not yeah. as much jailbreak but, i mean the the whole point of with naked city is that it, it, it's not uh 
you know, you can you can throw a rock and hit twenty uh, police procedurals, uh, whether it be in movies or on TV, or you know, they're they're all over the place and they're often done very well. And this one's done very well too. Um, it it just doesn't have that same kind of uh, satisfying in that the other ones do. But it, this one's still worth watching, I think, if you like that sort of stuff. It, if you like a, uh, you know. If you want to see like a, a 1940s, 48 version of what Zodiac might be like, that's that's probably Naked City. Yeah, the Naked City, in, in all fairness, yeah, of course. It, like you said, it's well made, directed by Jules Dassin. It doesn't have the immediacy of Top Copy or Rafifi, which I still haven't seen, but I've seen Brute Force. Brute Force is just right in, in yeah, I know, right? It's right, it, Brute Force is right in, in your face. Great performances by Burt Lancaster and the ensemble. But the Naked City is, like Eric says, you throw a rock and you're going to, it's a procedural. Among many procedurals, but it's shot in black and white. It's set in New York. And like Eric was saying, it's 1948. So what's great about this, and this lends itself to the brilliance of Jules Dassin or DeSand, is not many procedurals before the, the Naked City. So if you are a huge fan of the procedural genre, you go to the granddaddy, grandmama of them all, and that would be the Naked City. So it gets an immediate upscale as far as the review, meaning like first person in the room, and that would be Jules Dassin. And the Naked City in 1948. It's it's pretty much setting the foundation of all those procedurals that that um, that are to come. So yeah, uh, I'd, I'd probably give this. I really want to give this four, but I probably have to give this one a three and a half. And that's I yeah. hate doing it, but that's only because you know you know it, it's it's uh, you know they they've done so much better since this has come out, and so it's hard not to compare it with recent you know, procedurals, but it, it's still worth checking out and believe you can find this on HBO Max. Currently you can find it on HBO Max. It's a, probably available on DVD, Blu-ray, maybe even on YouTube. Who knows? I'd probably. Give this, I've seen, I saw this movie maybe about seven, eight months ago from my recollection, recollection. I would give it just based on the five star rating. I'd give it four stars based on what I previously said about the upscale three and a half, four stars. Well, that's in the range, but I'd land it right on the four. It gets that four over the three and a half stars for me because I'm a huge fan of the actor Barry Fitzgerald. He plays Lieutenant Dan Muldoon yeah. in the movie. He plays the most colorful character in the Naked City. He's pretty funny. He's he's the boss of the whole department, but he doesn't act like a boss. He's a guy who's who's just very very smart and calculating in a good way. And his uh, his Q and A of this slimy dude uh, played by Howard Duff in this movie is very very good. So very good stuff. You've seen these kind of movies a million times before but again this is one i really give a high marks because of the first person in the room uh, aesthetic just as probably bruce is giving high marks to the dario argento film because the plot is nonsensical <laughs> but you give upscales to the set design the production design and most importantly the visual prowess of someone like argento here you give an upscale of review for me regarding just the brilliance and the uh, the way to predict the future of cinema or storytelling via Jules Dessin's storytelling. So, Bruce, I mean, Eric, any final thoughts on The Naked City? You have another recommendation coming? Yeah, yeah, another recommendation. Uh, as far as Naked City, I, I would give it a, give it a shot if you like procedurals. It's a really good one. It's just it's dated, but just know that going in. But uh, three, definitely and, worth definitely worth checking out. And three and a half is a rocket, solid recommend. So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not a three. This is not a three and a half. Like it's fine. It's just had I watched this in the forties when they came out, it'd be like, oh my god, this movie's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but as it is, I'd still check it out. Uh, the other movie I saw it was a two thousand nineteen joint. Uh, by the way, I'm so glad you saw this. One. Directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, Cretton C R E T T O N. That's Rapace. 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 Dassin Rapace. 
Rapaz. Rapaz. Jules Dassin Rapaz. This is Dustin Daniel Cretton. And I guess I guess the, didn't him and uh, it, it was written by him and Andrew Lanham, who yes. I guess they both wrote and directed the new uh, Shang Chi. I did not see it, but this one's not about uh, superheroes. Um, this one's about uh, Michael B. Jordan plays Brian Stevenson. It's a world-renowned civil rights defense attorney. Brian Stevenson works to free a wrongly condemned death row prisoner. Now, I don't know. Uh, I, I can say for a lot of the uh, courtroom stuff, there's some stuff that kind of uh, rubs me as uh, made up for Hollywood sort of stuff that wouldn't exactly fly in an actual court. But it, it gets the point. This is more of an emotional story than a uh, than a uh, this is how courts actually work kind of story. They're in Monroeville. I guess where um, Harper Lee grew up, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And this, at least the way it's portrayed in the movie, um, a lot of the people in this uh, Monroeville are very, uh, very proud of Harper Lee. And they're proud that uh, this was, this was the groundwork of To Kill a Mockingbird, which was a huge civil rights piece of art that uh, changed the world and changed, uh, you know, was a positive change in civil rights. Yet everyone in this town is completely racist. And so much so that many of the people on death row are uh, black people, uh, black men. And Brian, uh, Michael B. Jordan's character, uh, you know, comes to, uh, he starts going through their cases and comes to find out that uh, a lot of them use public defenders. Then a lot of the public defenders like, well, I mean, that they're on death row with the, uh, the evidence that landed them there is, well, look at him. He obviously did it. So we're so proud to have Harper Lee write To Kill a Mockingbird. And it's uh, a book that uh, really helped with civil rights. And on uh, the same side of their mouth, well, I mean, look at him. He probably did it. This is the this is the kind of uh, the back and forth uh, dichotomy this, this town's working under. And uh, Michael B. Jordan is going through some shit, you know, wanting to reopen uh, the case for uh, Jamie Foxx's character, who is Walter McMillan. And Walter McMillan is on uh, death row. And he's on death row because of... Uh, you know, they go through his, his case and the evidence is, uh, really the evidence that got him on death row is very flimsy. In fact, um, it was mostly based on, based on what they call it, not commentary. Eyewitness testimony. I'm betting. Not eyewitness testimony. Hearsay. But, but but definitely hearsay, but testimony from, uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character and Tim Blake Nelson's character was going to be on death row. But they decided to not put him on it if he would testify against Walter McMillan because Tim Blake Nelson's a white guy and we can put him in life in prison, but we need to get this black guy on death row because, you know, Harper Lee wrote this book that was very important to civil rights. And uh, so the, this movie is like, uh, like I said, the the, the court stuff. I I don't know how accurate it is as far as you know realism goes. But this movie doesn't seem to be concerned about the realism of the the nuts and bolts of a courtroom. This uh, movie is about um, ideas and um, you know the the emotional ideas behind that. And is a courtroom drama or it is a uh, courtroom? I guess procedural. This would probably be like a two stars, but as a courtroom drama, like, you know, capital D drama, this one's really good. It had me uh, hooting and hollering and rooting for uh, uh, Brian Stevenson the whole time. 
and then to find out that you know it was based on a true story uh, a lot of it really got under my skin it got me angry uh for all the right i was gonna say this doesn't sound like a movie that would trigger you at all eric Uh, Let me say it for all the right reasons. It didn't anger me because, oh, you're not going to get a black guy off a death row. That didn't anger me. It was the the idea that, that, you know, so so many people in power can come together. I mean, I talked about shit like this before, but so many people in power can just be obviously hateful towards someone. And then it's like, well, you know this is wrong. Do I know it's wrong? And Michael B. Jordan's character is so good at, you're fucking with me, right? Quit fucking with me. You know you're fucking wrong. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah, whatever. Cool. We're going to file a motion. Go fuck yourself. And they just leave. <laughs> like, fuck you. Yeah, this is, uh, I'd I, I probably have to give this uh, four, four stars. Just because I get drunk and watch this and it triggers me, but in all the right ways. And uh, I'd, I'd watch this one again for sure. So Just Mercy is a four-star recommendation from Eric Holmes. I saw Just Mercy a couple of years ago. I'd give it about, did you see Just Mercy? I have not seen it. No. Yeah, solid film for me. I'd give it a three and a half as far as the recommendation goes. Eric Holmes, that's his recommend one of his recommendations for this week. One of the things about that made me that I I think it's just really worth watching. You have the performances by Michael B. Jordan, you have the performances of J- Jamie Foxx, A-list actors doing A-list work, all that stuff. Interesting story, real life story about Brian Stevenson. The thing that really made me give, give this, like watch this movie, is the performance of Rob Morgan. We mentioned Rob Morgan in Don't Look Up, how right. he's my favorite actor. Along oh, with yes, yeah. along yeah, along along with uh, he was one of my favorites from Don't Look Up. Rob Morgan plays Herbert Richardson, Herbert Richardson, one of the people on death row in Just Mercy. His character he gives such a fantastic performance in this movie released in 2019. I was surprised that he didn't receive an Oscar, nomina- Oscar his, nomination for his role. Yeah, his character in this. First of all, he was really good at his character, but I love that they put his character in there because he was on death row. And for good reason, like, cause normally you'd have the, yeah. the, if you have 50 people in, on death row and all 50 people don't need to be there, you know, it's a little far fetched, but just to have like the one person like, no, I, I did it. I did it. You know, they're, they didn't, they didn't trick me or anything. But then they had the whole thing of, uh, the PTSD and the, the, you know, you can see that, uh, yeah, he did the thing, but there's there's other circumstances, um, mental illness circumstances that aren't being taken into account. And so then, obviously, the stupid uh, response is, what are you supposed to do? Let him go? No, you get him mental help. And this goes back to police aren't good at figuring this shit out. Like, you know, there, there's there's better ways to go about things other than, well, they did a thing, we got to kill them. And maybe sometimes, you know, with you know people in certain situations, maybe that's what you got to do. But I love how his character kind of represented the, yes, I did it, but there's, you know, it, it he didn't kill someone in cold blood. He killed someone because he's he has problems and the, the problems aren't going to be uh, fixed by him you know, fix for him or other people like him in the future. If all we're going to do is, well, I guess we got to kill him because more people will have that. And you got it. Yeah. It, it, this is good stuff. 
You know what? Four and a half stars. <laughs> Sold himself. Where, where did you see this again? Where is it located uh, right now on streaming? Oh, nuts. I want to say A- uh, Amazon, I believe. Amazon. or No, maybe I saw this on HBO Max, too. It is currently, no, it was currently streaming on Cinemax Go. You can stream it there. But it wasn't mostly, on that. you'll be able to rent it via Apple TV, all those different uh, services where you can rent it. Definitely worth watching. Two hours and 17 minutes. Rated PG-13. Again. Solid work from everyone involved, including a favorite actor. You know, I'm looking at his. I am looking at I, Rob Morgan's IMDb right now of all his of all his movies. I think that one of the things I got to do before next year's over is just basically watch all of his films because he is fantastic. Bruce, uh, Eric, did you ever see this movie Bull? He did back in 2019. Did we did we cover that on the show? I don't think mm-hmm. so. Bull in 2019. It is fantastic. He plays a okay in 2019. Bull, Rob Morgan. So if you liked Eric, if you like Rob Morgan in Don't Look Up. And in Just Mercy, I highly suggest you see this movie called Bull because he is front and center. He is the lead. And I think what's frustrating for me is Rob Morgan should be a lead actor, period, in more films. Okay, so uh, I was thinking, was he uh, really Bull in Night Court? <laughs> Not Bull in Night Court. Okay. So. Oh, shit. He was in Brawl and Cell Block 99, uh, Mudbound. Yeah, yeah. Cutthroat oh, City. A whole bunch of movies. Okay, so. We're yeah, done with our recommendations for this week. Bruce bangers. has a big, big uh, thing with the Dean Koontz wallet watch. With the, what's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box with the Dean Koontz wallet watch? What's the big news you got for coming for 2022? How do you want to rejig your segment? Well, I'm not doing much different to it. I mean, it's not that big a news. Well, first of all, we we can't even talk about it until something's happened. I don't think something's happened. Oh, oh, what what's in the box? <laughs> What's well, I mean, Pete hasn't dropped the beat yet, so... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is Pete going to come here right now? Because this is <laughs> Christmas. He should be... Oh, wait. I think... What does, he... what does Pete do every week, Eric? Hey, yo, Pete. Drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? Sorry, Pete. I forgot you. So I news? thought of a, a slight revision... For the West in the Box, this uh, for the next year, definitely I want to take all the submissions just like I always have. But to even put more into the box, I've always am, am thinking of things. I'm sure everyone else has done this too. There's always those movies as we're talking like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that movie. Add it to the box. I've never seen that movie. Add it to the box. So what I'm going to do is as I come across movies that I've always wanted to see and for some reason or another I haven't, I'm going to put them in the box. But... Like the drop. I haven't seen the drop. I wrote it down as we were talking. I'm going to put the drop in the box. And you're going to put Bull, my pick. Yes. I need to add Bull. I see I'm getting too many things already in the box. You can watch it on Hulu. Bull. B-U-L-L. And we're going to still do, once a month, we're going to do the Dean Koontz Wallet Watch. But I thought what I would also put in the box, and it'll be one of many, many, many things in the box. It will be pretty rare. But if you are a listener out there who wants to have your name in the box, if I pick your name out of the box, just literally your name out of the box, that means not only do you want to assign all of us a movie to watch, if you so want to be, and I will advertise this on cinematics and stuff, if you want your name in the box, just your name in the box, and I pick your name out of the box randomly one week sometime during the year, that week you get to pick a movie for all of us to watch, and you get to come on during that segment and talk about it with us. 
I, I don't like to. I don't like um, you know Jeff Basson, Chad Wilfong, <laughs> who, who else were on? Uh, Angie Clark. I don't like. I don't like having people on the show, even though our, there are friends. We love it's okay, Clark, Greg. Basson, You'll survive. Chad Wilfong. Who else? Who else did we have on? We had your friend Eric. What's your friend's name? Who's an author? Yes. What did we had? Oh, uh, uh, Rick. Yeah? Rick. Yeah. yeah. No. I say no, Eric. What do you say? No, I don't want any friends. I don't know what. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course, Bruce. Keep on going. Keep on going. That's good. That, that's pretty much it. So this box is going to be full. It's going to have all the stuff I've always wanted to see. I just never. Th- and as I think of it, I'll drop it in there. The stuff you guys suggest, like always. And if you want your name in the box for that special week, if you get picked out, your name can go in the box. Oh, very, very good. And yes, and I don't know anyone who would want to spend time with us to talk about movies, but hopefully you're, you're wonderful people like Angie Clark and Chad Wilfong and Jeff Basson. That'd be really, really cool to have. Uh, or Brad Finney. Remember when he had Brad on too? Yeah. So that'd be a cool thing. We haven't had Andrew Martin, Andrew Joseph Martin. Bridges, yeah, we haven't Peter Beta could be in there. Tyler Noe could be in there. Yeah. Yeah, all those people. You know what? We haven't had a lot of that this year, right? We didn't. Nope. I, I think we didn't do that this year. We did that not much this year, but not much this year. Okay, because folks, I had a, a mandate where I just wanted us three just to talk. I didn't want all those extra, extra people. But I guess Bruce, I told before we started recording, I said Bruce, whatever you say goes. And that now he's trying to be more social and <laughs> and, and talk to more people, and I don't like it one bit. Eric Holmes, do you do, rebut? I can't. <laughs> no rebut. <laughs> See, look, Eric Holmes is not giving backing you up there, Bruce. What do you think I, of I, that? I'm more of a single butt guy. Oh, I only butt. I never rebut. Yeah, there's there's single butt and rebut. If you want to have more butts, go check out the trip. That's another allusion to that movie. <laughs> okay, so that's a great idea regarding that. Okay, let's gonna do it. Okay, again, put your name into uh, what's in the box, and then hopefully if Bruce picks your name out. He, you're gonna come and join us on Find Your Film and and talk about your movie recommendation of that week. Should be really really fun speaking of recommendations speaking of what's in the box bruce perky and eric holmes they're closing out the show with last week's pick bruce can you tell us what you and eric will be covering yeah (laughs) well we we did it we did it (laughs) we uh mark kerman suggested we watch william friedkin's the birthday party uh from 1968 i don't know about uh you eric but it was very hard to find this movie um, but we did end up finding it on YouTube. At least I found it on YouTube. Yeah. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere else. Uh, I'll give the basic rundown and then you can hop in on it, Eric. Uh, this is uh, based on a Harold Pinter play. Harold Pinter, very famous, I think, maybe Pulitzer Prize winning playwright. playwright. Yeah, He's done a million things. It stars uh, Robert Shaw as Stanley. And it also has Patrick McGee. You might recognize him as the guy from A Clockwork Orange whose house gets invaded. Also, Sidney Taffler is Goldberg in this. The basic concept is uh, the Robert Shaw character is this kind of this tenant of this boarding house, Seaside, England somewhere, boarding house. And uh, these two guys show up and weird stuff happens. I'll <laughs> Eric kind of chime in on this. It's uh, hard to, kind of hard to describe. Uh, go ahead. You say what you want to say, Eric. I, I'm kind of with you. It's uh, the, so the two guys come to the, they, they talk to uh, the housekeeper what, lady. Yeah. And she mentions it. It's his birthday. And they're like, well, we should have a birthday party. She's like, oh, that sounds like such a grand idea. Why don't you come on over and we'll have ourselves some cake and party and play some games. And then they come over and then they kind of just start mentally torturing them. (laughs) I thought that maybe they were like gangsters. Like maybe he was like, uh, maybe he was going to rat on someone like a court hearing or something. But it it wasn't that. And they were just kind of, uh, they were just kind of 
fucking with them a little bit. Yeah. And the, this had a this had a really similar vibe to uh, Bug, except with Bug they were on meth. I mean that's that's what Bug was about, right? They're on meth. Yeah. They're they're doing conspiracy theories. This is kind of like Bug, but without the drugs. <laughs> yeah. To me. To, yeah. To me, <laughs> Bug without the fun too. <laughs> I heard that. Um, this is way more. I mean. This is way more like a play than but I know Bug is based on a play too, but I don't yeah. know for some reason Bug was more cinematic and I don't know if it's because, you know, Freakin when he made this is brand new. You see the flashes of what Freakin's going to do. Yeah. There's definitely some interesting in the final third he does some interesting stuff with the camera and with some effects and some black oh, yeah. and white and color. But the play or the story itself here for me was I was kind of being tortured by it too. I felt like I I mean, the, it was like, oh it, I'm reading some reviews and they're yeah. saying that the birthday party lacks entertainment value. There's other well, people who really thought it was boring. Far. Okay. And then, but then there's other people who said the movie is brilliant, masterpiece, underrated freaking gem. Can you guys speak to the fact that what is, what would people find so amazing about this movie? Because there are some people who really fell for the birthday party. I don't think they would find it amazing on a first watch. That, I think this is a movie, uh, it, at least if it's anything like me watching it, and it sounds like with Bruce, um, watching it the first time, you get like halfway through it and go, wait, what? Why? <laughs> Why? What's happening? And, and so, this, I, but this is like one of those movies, now that I watched it the one time, I think if I went back and watched, because I, I know now that it's kind of this weird, sort of a, sort of a mind fuck. And not a mind fuck for the viewer, but the mind fuck for the characters as well. And yeah, I, I, I think if I watch it again, I would kind of get it. But the first time watching it, like I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, okay, Will and Freakin', it's a birthday party. They're gonna have a birthday party for him. There's these nefarious characters coming in, and I'm lost. Wait, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. I don't. <laughs> I, I think that the. Tell me what you think about this too, but I think that this is this is way more a Harold Pinter movie than a William Friedkin movie because I think that what overpowers this movie is the script and the play. So I think that you have to get into the rhythm of that and not be thinking so much Friedkin because Friedkin is he's directing it, but I mean it's it's the script. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing about this is, and I, I think kind of what you're getting at too, Eric, is it's these people don't act like human beings. Like they talk, it's, it's almost like everyone is, is a stand in for an idea or, um, like it's almost like it's all symbolic on a really high level. And I don't quite get it. It doesn't quite work for me, but maybe if I knew more about what it was trying to do, I would get it more. Cause I feel like they're talking like, like, for example, you talk about the housekeeper and you did a great job of her. So I won't try, <laughs> but all she does in the whole movie is things like, Oh, would you like to have some, you know, cornflakes? Oh, did you like those cornflakes? How were those cornflakes? Did you hear about the paper? Was the paper, was it good? What did you think of that? Oh, that was very nice. Oh, you're a very nice fellow. Wasn't he a nice fellow? It's stuff like that the whole time. And then each character has their own weird way of communicating with the world and they're all disconnected. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? I don't understand. You know. There was a uh, the the uh, what what what's her name was, was it Daisy Darcy the, the friend the, or the the neighbor no the the actress's name the the housekeeper oh, the, I didn't the, write it down I don't remember what her name was yeah but uh, her and uh, Robert Shaw's character reminded me of Chris Farley and Adam Sandler the uh, kind of oh, Mario's Steakhouse says it's the finest steaks in town like give me cancer now. <laughs> You could almost imagine this becoming Monty Python, you know what I mean? A like it bit. 
almost, but it's not funny. It's like it's it kind of it kind of is at certain points so, though, because it, it, yeah. it's just the absurdity of what's going on. It's it's relentless. And, and the, and it's the not- weird thing is, it like on on its face, like if you just okay, you uh, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of something really absurd, and I can't think of anything. And you <laughs> watch a bunch of movies like that. Okay, uh, Looney Porn, and this is gonna be one of the times I don't shit on it, but Looney Porn, <laughs> Looney Porn, you go, you you pick to a random spot in it, and you're watching, go, this is absurd. I, like I, you know, you can you can see the absurdity of it. With this, you cut like cut a two minute clip out. It doesn't seem absurd, but it keeps that, going. That two, yeah, it keeps going, and so you watch it as a full thing. It's like this is frick. Okay, <laughs> I I think. I think there's a lot more comedy to this than maybe maybe I suspected going in, but that that's why I'm thinking I kind of want to watch this again because now that I've seen it and now that I know what to expect going in, I think I can appreciate more of what it has going for it. Whereas just going in cold was probably a, a big mistake. Kind of rough, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is a this is one of those movies I think would help if you knew what you're in for. Yeah. Or at the same time, maybe going cold. And just be as baffled as we are. <laughs> and then, you know, watch the whole thing, be baffled and go, okay, I know what to expect now. And then go watch it again and then you can watch the movie for what it is. But yeah, this is a strange one. Okay, so this movie was suggested for What's in the Box from uh, Cinematics member Mark Crimmins, who has very, very good taste in cinema. Really interested to see. I should have seen this movie. Can't wait to actually. My bad. I should have seen The Birthday Party again. Released in... On ni- in 1968, directed by William Friedkin, based on the play by Harold Hinter, Eric Holmes, Bruce, Perky, throw down your stars on the oh, birthday God. party. Come on. <laughs> I Do it. Uh, see, it's his heart. I can't. Mm. Come on. I mean, take out, okay. They got William Friedkin. Friedkin. I'm going to have to say two and a half stars. I can't, I can't not recommend it, but I can't really recommend it because I don't, I mean, I can't say I enjoyed it. I was perplexed by it. it. I mean, sometimes it was torturous. Sometimes it was intriguing. So kind of like what Eric's saying, uh, I could see this going either way, depending on how you come to it. So I, I can't fully recommend it. I, I can't say it's terrible. Okay. Two and a half. Eric. I'm going to go, I'm going to go three stars with the caveat that on a <laughs> yeah. rewatch, Thank this you, could Eric. go up to like a four, four and a half, or yeah. it could go down to like a one and a half. Okay. Very, very good. That's this three is, Oh, I was going to say, this is a, okay. This is a good, a, a weird but good um, comparison. The movie The Wolf House, that really weird animated thing I talked yes. about way back when, could be absolutely confounding to somebody and just torturous. And I think that one actually is improved by knowing what the hell it's about. Uh, and now it still might be terrible for some people, but it still, but it, for some people, it will really improve it. I think this is similar. I feel like someone smarter than me <laughs> needs to tell me. Oh, this is a, uh, this is all about the, you know, bourgeoisie, you know, whatever. It's about something. This is a, the whole thing's a metaphor for politics in Russia in 1922. I mean, it might be something like that. And when I finally knew it, I'd be like, oh, now I can actually enjoy this, you know. I feel like this is one of those kind of movies. We need to, Bruce, or uh, Greg, you need to pull some strings and get uh, Will and Freakin on the show so he can tell us away. Bruce and Eric, here's your problem. You're stupid. And here's yeah. what the birthday party was about. <laughs> I, I can't do a good Will and Freakin. That's uh, more Jack Nicholson than. And is it, am I wrong? Could it actually could be like a giant, okay, you know the stereotypical joke? You know, a blank and a blank and a blank walks into a bar. Yeah. This is almost could be a weird version of that. Yeah. 
I guess this gives away stuff. Maybe. Probably not. But the, <laughs> not really. the scene where he just keeps opening his mouth. You see that? What was that? That was I so weird. That was so weird. You know why? Because they do exactly what they tell me to all the time. Look at that. You see that? I have all my teeth. That was blowing my <laughs> it's mouth. Because I'm not, <laughs> it's not because I'm a self-made man. I'm not a self-made man. Greg, this I is a weird movie. <laughs> okay, so the birthday party suggested again by Mark Crimmins. Very, very weird. And shout out to Mark Crimmins Factory. <laughs> recommending a freaking film because that's how we started out our find your film podcast when we did director spotlights we did william freaking was our first choice before you we get to our what's in the box choice this week from bruce perky i'm gonna post i'm gonna actually read something i'm gonna read something from our cinematics facebook group that was just posted by our buddy ken and fellow member ken cunningham he i'm reading right now verbatim i said i would report back quote i said i would report back I did end up enjoying this movie, this movie being Phantom Thread. So Ken Cunningham just watched Phantom Thread. But it wasn't until the final 10 minutes until the movie fully had me. I also see why Greg loves this movie so much. He is Woodcock, driven by his work. A perfectionist can't stick to one lady. All right, that is Ken Cunningham's review of Phantom Thread. And you know what, Ken? Let me tell you something, buddy. Nailed it. Let me. Okay, Eric. Well, maybe. Well, it just lets me know that I can cook you breakfast and you're going to eat whatever I make you. (laughs) I don't know if I see a specific thread. Bruce and Eric, do you see a specific thread on. I can't see it. It's a phantom. I can't. It's a phantom. (laughs) It's a phantom. Very, very funny, Ken Cunningham, regarding. I'm I'm, I'm just glad at least that you really enjoyed it. Phantom thread, five stars for me. Eric Holmes, how many stars for you? Phantom thread. Uh, It's up there. Probably four and a half. I I like Phantom thread a lot. Phantom thread was one of those when I saw the the previews, I was like, I I, I watched it. I, I love the concepts and the ideas in there okay bruce yours uh four and a half uh four and a half oh very very good i'm so so glad better than anderson's review of phantom thread okay so bruce what is in the box but eric does it better box all right what's in the box our suggestion this week is from box We won't have a suggested person for every time this. Uh, this week it's from Brian O'Connell. By the way, my son has told me he has seeded the box with some movie, and he just laughs. He won't even tell me what it is. I don't know what he put in there. Uh, Brian O'Connell has suggested Alaskan Nets. Alaskan directed- Nets, like in general, like we should go out and purchase yeah, it on Amazon. Should- for- we got to start. We got to start fishing. We're going to hit one of those uh, boats. <laughs> yeah, don't use those bullshit main nets. Go up and get the Alaskan one. Alaskan Nets. So this is a is this a real movie? Yeah, Alaskan Nets, directed by Jeff Harisimowitz. 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 Do you remember what Brian Connell, Brian O'Connell's previous recommendation, which you guys both saw, which I did not? Do you remember what his recommendation was previously? That was the that that was the what the was fuck's it? his name? The eighties movie. Oh, was it? Um, uh, Tough Turf. Tough Turf was yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Brian has has all these really interesting recommendations, but his all-time number one movie is this film called Seven Samurai. By the the way, folks, I I saw Seven Samurai. I rewatched it over the weekend as part of the Christmas holidays. It's one of these things that I really, really love, Seven Samurai. Obviously, that's an obvious recommendation. Five stars. Yes, Eric Holmes for Seven Samurai. Did you guys know that uh, Die Hard is a... Is a samurai movie? Uh, that's very funny. That's very funny. I, we're not going to talk about that topic about Christmas movies or Die Hard. I'm glad that you mentioned Die Hard and Samurai in the same mm-hmm. sentence. Very, very good. Speaking of which, can, Die Hard to Samurai is Bruce Willis to Last Man Standing, which Last Man Standing is to Yojimbo, which Yojimbo is to Akira Kurosawa. The circle continues moving around. Yes, Eric, you have some thoughts. And Last Man Standing is also a sequel to Streets of Fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or prequel. Very, very, very good. <laughs> As per usual, 
before we get where, oh also i wanted to really mention our find your fellow family me eric bruce we're going to also be part of cinematics once a month every first week of uh, so check out cinematics every uh, first week we're gonna we're gonna talk about the first two movies of every month that we're really waiting to see as you know me and anderson Cowan, we do monthly previews of films we want to see we do one episode per month but you know, as a way to promote this Find Your Film podcast, and we're going to actually transfer some of our stuff and talk about and just join Cinematics once a month because Anderson's a good buddy of ours. And we it was nice. It was nice for him to do that. And that'll be – are you looking forward to that, Eric? Just yes. Part, being part of the, yes? Cinematics? Yes. Yeah, really interesting listenership. Am I the same here on Find Your Film or do I make a do, – do I have some kind of affectation with the birdie, with the birthday party when I'm with Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> Am I different? Am I different with Anderson Gowan than I am with you? I think that was the character you played when we role played the the game that Eric made, but sure. <laughs> but I did just think that I need to get Anderson in the box. I need well, to t- find out if I could put Anderson in the box because, you know, no one puts Anderson in the box. Is this a reference to the trip, Bruce, that we're talking about? Because this is you know, this- – <laughs> Folks, whatever you do, we have a lot of great recommendations. Please see the trip so you get some of these jokes. They're all corny dad jokes, but they're, they're fun enough. Before we go – Final thoughts from you, Eric Holmes? Die Hard is a wonderful dance movie, and everyone should check it out. Yes, Die Hard is... By the way, Eric, I'm so old. I saw Die Hard in the theaters. As per usual, Bruce Perky, we're sending it off the show with some final thoughts. Yeah, I, I have a little bit of a long one today. Speaking of dad jokes, I have some dad wisdom for you guys. I have to quote something for you. Um, when I was your age, a weird guy in a van outside my school asked if I wanted to see his baseball cards. I said yes without thinking. He took me in the back of his van, and he showed me his giant collection of pristine baseball cards. I had a lot of fun and I'm thankful I put my trust in that creepy weirdo. So I think you should trust your weird murdering monster. That is very insightful and it's, this is Bruce Perky's uh, in reference to Bruce Perky's favorite film of the year. If you have not guessed it, which Eric and I guessed it from the first two or three words, you're missing out. We're going to talk to you. I don't even, we're not, just go see it, right? Go see it. Find out what Bruce is. I think, you know what? Bruce will, will announce his number one movie next week as we talk about categories, best films of the year, all that, all that kind of stuff. And wonderful final quote, Bruce. And that's very, it's not advice, folks. It's a movie quote. Correct? Correct, Bruce? Oh, no, that's advice. That You should follow that for sure. <laughs> okay. okay, guys, we'll see you next week. That's wonderful. 